you doing? Yeah? Well, I'm so glad that you're all here. It's a pleasure to have you here at Church at the Bridge. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here, but most importantly, I am here to serve you. We're here to serve you. We love you. And whether this is your first time or your millionth time, we are so glad that you're here, that you took time out of your weekend to spend some time with us and to just consider some truths from the Word of God. This morning, as we get started, I want you to do something with me. I want you to tell somebody around you, I need you. Now, see. Good. good. Well, you know what? You guys are getting it. You're, you're turning to other people saying, I need you, instead of just talking to each other. Talking to your wife, talking about I need you. Baby, you should know I need you. I need you, baby. Uh, You know, uh, we've been on a series the last couple of weeks now, last several weeks, and we're going to be in this series for a while, uh, entitled Above the Clouds. What we've been talking about is the kingdom of God. Specifically, what we've been talking about is how life in the kingdom of God impacts us and how it elevates our lives. How it changes our lives. And you know, one of the things that's very important in life is relationships. Would you agree with that? Relationships, they're important, right? I was uh, reflecting on something uh, in between services. I was remembering the, uh, the occurrence of a guy named Aaron Ralston, I believe his name was. Uh, this guy went, this is back in like 2003, uh, this guy was, uh, he, he went um, hiking in the Utah mountains. And uh, the thing about it is that he decided that he was going to go alone. He was going to go alone and he wanted to detach from everything and everyone. He was one of those, you know, real big, you know, real guys. You know, I go do this by myself. Not knocking the guy, but he went out there by himself and he cut off all means of communication. So he, he goes out there to the uh, Utah, mountains of Utah, and he's out there canyoneering, and he ends up finding himself in a difficult situation. He wrote a book a couple of years back called Caught Between a Rock and a Hard Place. What ended up happening was that a boulder came loose above him, and it was coming straight down for him, and while he's moving out of the way, his arm got pinned And he was stuck for six days out there with no help. Nobody knew where he was. Nobody, he had contact with no one. And so while he was alone and in this really difficult situation, he feels in his pocket and he realizes he has a dull pocket knife. And he begins to cut his arm off. And he digs into it, digs into the bone, till he finally literally cuts off his arm at the joint of the elbow to get free. Then he hikes and rappled down 65 foot uh, canyon to get down and the guy survived. But I'll tell you why I share that story with you because when we do not value relationships, it can be deadly. It can lead to really bad situations. And I'm just going to kind of pull from this story as an analogy. I'm not making light of his situation and I'm not condemning the guy But you know, when we choose to live life alone, many times what happens is we end up hurting ourselves. We lose parts of what matters most in our lives. And in this series of the kingdom of God that we've been looking at, one of the things, one of the keys to the kingdom is relationships and how they work, how they flow. Listen, 
Each and every one of us can relate to this, whether you believe in Jesus or you don't. You can, you can relate to this simple concept that we all need someone and that none of us got anywhere in life without someone. Can you agree with that? We, we, we all need each other. We need each other. And so in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, just to recap, Jesus speaks and he says, the time has come. In other words, hey, there's something that you need to pay attention to right now because it's present. And he says, it's the kingdom of God has come near. And so he says, repent and believe the good news. He's not talking about feeling some emotional way. He's not talking about some crying experience. That's not what repentance is. He's literally saying, listen, the kingdom of God has arrived. It's present. It's available to you. And literally what the kingdom is, is just God's ways. God's leading, God's guidance, what God has to say about life, about his purposes, his plans for you. You might not know this, or maybe you've never thought about this, but we can live on a higher plane in life. We can live, so to speak, quote unquote, above the clouds. We can live according to God's kingdom ways. But to do that, we have to understand that life alone, independent of God and independent of each other, is leading us the wrong way. And so Jesus says, turn around, repent. Don't go into that cave by yourself. Don't go on a hiking trip to the mountains of Utah by yourself and cut yourself off from everyone and end up hurting yourself in the process. You get my picture here? And so he says, the kingdom of God is near. See, God's kingdom isn't far off from anyone. The kingdom of God is for everyone. But for some of us, maybe it just feels distant. We don't understand God. It doesn't make sense. And as a result, the power that's contained in God's leading, according to his kingdom, is irrelevant. That's a dangerous place to be. But that's not how God desires for any of us to live life. In Matthew 16, 19, just to continue to recap, Jesus said this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Simply put, what Jesus is saying here is that he wants heaven's ways, heaven's system, so to speak, to overtake ours, to be the means by which we approach life and how we experience hardship, struggle, friendships, relationships, and everything in between. But think about what he says here. He says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And literally, what we see here is that the kingdom of God is the key to true life. It opens up doors. It creates paths where we don't have any. It's God's system for success. How many of us could use a little more success in life? How many of us could use some better wisdom Some direction. Come on now. I know I'm talking to somebody here. We all need to find a better way. Even I. Don't let the pastor title fool you. And so today I'd like to talk to you about the role of relationships in the kingdom. Because relationships are important to experiencing the kingdom of God. To seeing God's ways at every level of our life. And to function at a higher plane. 
And so from the onset of creation, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. We're not going to go there just yet, but go ahead and just bookmark it or you can follow us on the screen. From the onset of creation, God created man in his image is what, he's, what, he's, what he reveals to us. It says that he created us in his image and in his likeness. You know what that, that means? It means that we were created to be like him and to live like him. You can live like Jesus did in this world. The Bible says, as he is, so are you. We can experience, we can have that same level of success. We can grow to that extent. And so from the very beginning of time, God created a man in his image and likeness. He was like him. He lived here on earth as it was in heaven. And he was in perfect relationship with God. And as a result, everything that this man, Adam, did flourished. He was set up for success, all in relationship to God and in relationship to everything that God created around him. But in Genesis chapter 2, as we're going to read in verse 18, we see that God saw that there was a missing component. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Tell somebody, it ain't good to be alone. Oh, I know that's not proper English, but it's okay. I know it's okay. It's not good. It ain't good. Ain't just gives it a little, some extra emphasis, right? It's not good to be alone. God said that. He says, I will make a helper. Listen closely. Suitable for him. Suitable. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. You know what we're seeing here? Adam is doing what he's been created for. He is ruling and reigning. It's like Jesus prayed in the Gospels. He says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what life is supposed to be like for you and I. You can find something better in relationship to God, in relationship with God and with his people and with what God is trying to do through your life. And so here Adam is doing everything that God created him for, and he's going, horse? What's a a male for a horse? Uh, I don't know. A male horse and a a mare. There you go. A A mare is... The girl, right? The female? The, a mare's... Okay. So the mare and the horse. Chicken and rooster, etc., etc. So I imagine that here Adam is, male, female, right? Chicken, rooster. And he's doing his thing. He's, he's in perfect bliss, man. And God says, no, no, no. There's something lacking here. He says, I'm going to make him one that's suitable unto himself. In other words, I'm going to create one just like him. I want you to begin to see something about God's design for relationships. That from the very beginning, he created a man in his image. But then he created another from the image of that man that resembled God. Relationships. Something began to happen there. We're supposed to reproduce the same way God created us. And so Eve was suitable to Adam. Listen, God saw the importance of sharing, of Adam sharing life with another just as the animals did with each other and himself. 
And so God creates Eve. And when he sees her, he names her. He doesn't name her Eve. He says, whoa, man. It wasn't woman. It was whoa, man. Right? Anyway, that was a lot funnier in my head. But all right. Anyway, he sees her. And now everything is just, it, it's working. Everything's clicking, right? And what we see is that from the beginning, the kingdom of God was based on God's design for relationship with himself and the need for it to flow into our relationships with each other, but also with others. Does that make sense? I think of, you know what I love about this facility that we're at for whatever length of time that we have left here because we've got some things in motion? It's just all this brick, I love this exposed brick. Upstairs in my office, I have some brick behind me, you know. And, and so I, I was thinking about this, uh, how these bricks are important. Now, this building was built in 1923. This is an old, old building. And while it's not perfect and square and level, you know, it's got its imperfections. I, I consider these, these bricks, and as I take a step back, I begin to see that there's this strong wall. But the closer you look in, you, you, you kind of lean in and you, what you begin to appreciate is the structure that holds this entire facility together. And I want you to consider uh, this analogy from these bricks. That you, uh, the layout of these bricks is there's one on top and then there's two below it. And next to those, there's other bricks. And then there's another one under it. And so here's literally what's happening. Look at the symmetry here. Look at the relationship and how it's, it's producing strength. These bricks down here remain in direct relationship and connected to that brick above them. And as a result, they draw strength and they give strength to each other. But the ones below it draw strength from the ones above it, and equally begin to distribute strength. Thus, we have an entire facility that is standing and remains standing since the 1900s. Almost 100 years now. Almost 100 years. The reason why I share that with you is because that's the power of our relationships. As we heard, God's kingdom is near. It's here, it's present, it's now amongst us. And it's easy for almost anyone to understand, I got to look up to God in some way. I need God in some way. But have we ever stopped to consider God's kingdom design for how it's supposed to work? It's not just relationship with him, ladies and gentlemen. It's relationship with each other and others. That's how the kingdom of God works. It's a design that is upward, inward, an intimate relationship, and outward. God designed our relationships to function upward, inward, and outward. And for some of us, it's very possible that we struggle in the area of relationships. We subscribe to the mindset that says, you know what? I'm going to just do it all by myself. I don't need anyone. I'll seek God in my own private way. Well, if you look at the prescription for life from the scriptures, what you'll see is 
that that is not the way God's kingdom works. It doesn't work. Tell somebody, I need you. Get and tell somebody else, I need you. See, God's kingdom and his desire is that we would be in relationship with him, but that we would be in relationship with each other and others. Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3 puts it this way. It says, how good and pleasant it is. How good and pleasant it is. It's talking about a perfect design at work there. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live what? Together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, uh, down onto the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Let me just give you a fun Bible fact. When it's talking about the oil that's going down from Aaron's head, down to his beard, down to his robes, it's talking about the anointing of God. It's talking about God's power. And I want you to see something about how God's power flows. It flows from the top down to our lives here, out and outward to the lives of others. And I want to I bring you back to, uh, to verse 3. It, I'm, I'm sorry, to, uh, yes, to verse 3. It says... Um, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. You know what it's talking about here? It's talking about when we unite as people, there's the blessing. There's the power of healing at work. There's the power of agreement. There's support. There's encouragement. There you'll find strength. There is where the blessing of God resides and works. How? In relationship upward, inward, and outward. That's how the kingdom of God works. And if we could just put up verse 3 again, I want you to consider what it says at the end of it. It says, for there... The Lord bestows his blessing. But watch, it gets better. Even life forevermore. You know what that's talking about? The God kind of life. God's best. I'm here to tell you today. Maybe you've never considered your relationship to God, to people in your circle, and those around you. But I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We all need another. We need God, we need each other, and we need others. Let's turn in our Bibles because I want us to look at an example directly from the life of Jesus in John chapter 6. As I'll give you a moment to turn there, and as you're turning there, I'll just share a thought with you in relation to these scriptures. I want to point out a couple of things to you. Jesus wants to do something really big at this moment in what we're about to read. He wants to do something amazing. But what we're going to see here is how his relationship to the Father, his relationship to his disciples that were amongst them, and his relationship to those that were in need were all functioning. They were in their proper perspective. It was right. He, he was excelling in all these three areas. And as a result, something great happened to him, to others, and to those that needed it most. 
And so in John chapter 6, we read at verse 1, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Let me just pause right there and give you some context here. If you study out what's happening here in the midst of all the other gospels, what you'll see is that 70 of Jesus' disciples have just returned back. Inclusive in them were his 12, the, most, the ones that were most close to him, uh, that were most intimate with him. And so they come back after he had sent them out, and he said to them, you go two by two, and you go do what I do. Go heal the sick, go raise the dead, go bring this good news that the kingdom of God is now here. It's near, it's now. And so they come back and they're celebrating, they're excited the gospel's revealed. They're like, man, Jesus, we did all these things and all these things happened. And even the demons, they, 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 they listened to us, they obeyed us because we came in your name. You know what they're doing at that moment? They're going, look at what I did. That's what they're doing. Look at what I did, Jesus. Look at what I did in your name. Look at what I did. And so what we're beginning to see here is that Jesus, they're coming to him and he says, all right, guys, you had a long day. Great. Let's get away. Let's get away. So he takes the 12 and they get into a boat, the Bible says. And they begin to cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's pick up where we left off in uh, verse 5. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he, had, he, already, he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. What you need to understand is that in those days they just counted men. So there's literally women and children. So it's probably more like 15, 20,000 is what they, they theorize it was. And so they sit down, about 5,000 men. Verse 11, and Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So let's break this down. What's actually happening here? Jesus takes the disciples and he says, let's get away to a solitary place. Now, let me just tell you something about Jesus. If you just check in your Bible, anytime he did anything that was extraordinary, I'm talking beyond the normal, like walking on water, like raising the dead, like being crucified and being resurrected, 
like choosing his disciples, what you'll find is that Jesus would go to a solitary place. He would go be by himself and he would pray. So while the scriptures don't tell us that, what we do know about Jesus is this, that this is the same Jesus that said this in John 5, 19. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So what is Jesus saying? Man, here you are impressed with me. Here you are impressed with these great miracles. And what you don't realize is that this is a direct result of my upward relationship with the father. Now, why is that important to think about? Because in the kingdom of God, everything depends on the king. Let me ask you a question here to consider. We've all got relationships. Can you honestly say to yourself that you are fully depending upon God in a personal relationship with Him? Don't put yourself down on that if you're not. But what I want you to see is that Jesus Himself says, I can do nothing on my own. I do everything that I'm doing comes as a result of my personal relationship with God. We've, we all have dreams. We all have aspirations. We all have goals for our children and our households and our careers and our friendships and our marriages and all those things. And all those things are great. But listen, are you paying attention to the most important factor? The thing above you that creates strength for everything in life. God. See, if we're to see, if we're to truly see the miracle of the change we so long for, if we're truly to see the miracle of growth and healing and this blessing of God upon our lives, listen, it depends upon our upward relationship to God, His kingdom. Going back to that psalm, we don't have to put it up, but it just, it, think about what he says. He says, how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. But you know what unity looks like? Dependence upon God, dependence upon each other, and dependence upon others. Hmm. Man, that's powerful. It's powerful. See, in this recorded miracle that we see the power of the kingdom of God, this great miracle that Jesus performed, we see the power of relationships in the kingdom of God. We see that Jesus wanted to reveal the kingdom of God together with his disciples. You know what else we see? We see that Jesus wanted to include everyone in what the kingdom provided. Think about this. The Bible says that Jesus looks upon the crowds in compassion. So he says, guys, let's get away. And they begin to take off, right? And they, they get into this little boat and they're crossing over to the other side. And as they're crossing over to the other side, the crowds realize where they're going. And so here's what they do. The scriptures say this. They're running, seeing where they're going. They go, oh, we know where they're going. And so they run to the other side and beat Jesus and the disciples there. And as Jesus is arriving on the shore, the Bible says that he has compassion on them. Listen closely. 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you know anything about sheep, sheep are the most needy animals. Do you know that sheep will not eat unless someone leads them to a place of pasture to eat? They won't eat. They will not do it. Do you know that sheep without leadership are a mess? They will walk towards their prey. They're not the smartest animals. They lack the most basic things in life without a shepherd. And here's what Jesus saw. They need me. They need guidance. They need my provision. And so here he is approaching these people, approaching us even to this day as a shepherd and saying, I've got a better way. See, everything depends upon the king in the kingdom. And if we're to see that which we so desire and we aspire to, those desires that God has placed in our heart, ladies and gentlemen, we can't do it without God. We just can't. Galatians chapter 5, 19 uh, through 23 puts it this way. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Let me just pause right there. Here's what it's talking about. It's talking about a person who's driven by their desires and has no desire or understanding or awareness of God's ways. You know that you can be a Christian and live that way? I believe in God, but I just make choices independent of what his word says. I'm just doing my own thing. And so that's the type of person this is talking about. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I just want to pause right there and clarify something. Because for some of us, here's what we hear or what we've been taught. Some of us have been taught that if those are the type of things that we're doing, that it's saying that we're not going to heaven. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is a state of life that is existent right now. It's to be enjoyed. It's to, be, it's to prosper you. It's to grow you. It's to reveal the goodness of God. It's to be a testament, a light in a world of darkness. It's a state where you are righteous and you're conscious of it. You have peace and you flow in joy because you're listening to the Holy Spirit who's constantly leading you. So... Consider what this says. For the person who makes choices independent of the knowledge of God, what the scriptures is revealing is this. You will never inherit the kingdom that's already yours. In other words, you won't enjoy the life that's available to you in the kingdom of God. You'll run the rat race. You'll you'll hustle and struggle to try and make it. You'll do it all on your own and you'll get the wrong results. Listen to verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, that's simply talking about what happens when you're in direct communication, in tune, upward with God. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. How many of us need a little bit more loving? Come on now. We can all, we all love to be loved. Right? How many of us can use a little bit more joy? Some peace. 
some forbearance. That's just simply patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, these are all a result of a direct upward relationship to the kingdom of God. That's how it works. If you're lacking peace, if you're finding yourself in, in a divided home, if you're struggling in relationships, if things just aren't flowing, can I suggest to you, no matter of fact, can I implore you based upon what the scripture said, that there is a break in your, con- in your connection. So life outside of our reliance upon God is destructive. We see that. But life in direct relationship with God brings forth fruit. The kind of fruit that we all desire. Just like Jesus with the disciples, we begin to see something. That in the kingdom of God, everything works through those that are in the kingdom. Think about the account that we have. Jesus has it already in mind to perform a great miracle. To do something so out of the box of religion. To do something so grand that people can only point to God and look to God. And Jesus could have done this all on his own. But he doesn't. The Gospels reveal that when he finally gets to the point where he receives the bread and the fish, it says that he blesses it and then he gives it to the disciples and they distribute it. You know why that's powerful? Because here we are saying, God, I want to see some change in my children. I want to see some redemption in my home. I want to see some transformation in my community. I want to see things turn around in my workplace. I want to see a better world. I don't want to, I don't want to be amongst all this craziness that has become normal and has become life. I want to see your kingdom come. And what we fail to realize is that that's exactly where they were. Jesus is trying to reveal the kingdom. But he wants to do it with them. With them. He wants to support and strengthen the lives of those in need. He wants to bring truth that transforms mindsets and heals hearts. He wants to bring the power of this kingdom and make it available unto all. But he wants to do it with them. Hey, he wants to do it with you. Go ahead and look at somebody and tell them, I need you. I need you. See, in the kingdom... Everything works through those that are in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, everything works through those that are in the kingdom. Here we are praying, not realizing that your answer is sitting right next to you. It's right around you. And just like Jesus did with the disciples, God wants to include us. He wants to include us in on the great works of his hand. But to experience that, we have to understand that his great works happen as we are in partnership with each other. 
It was awesome. A couple of weeks back, we had a uh, friends and family night. And, you know, we had a few people that were, you know, they, we're always getting visitors here. We had a few visitors, and they came, and, and they heard about what we were doing. And, and after service, they, they said, I want to help with that. Seems like no big deal. Okay, serve some people some food, right? Let me tell you what's been happening in that process. Tell you what's been happening in that process. A bunch of people got together as God's hands and feet. And while they're serving others, you know what's happening in their own lives? They're strengthening each other. I just had a conversation with a guy who just started coming to the church a couple of weeks back. And he says, man, I've lost everything in the last month and a half. I lost my family. My mother's struggling physically. I'm going through all these challenges. He says, but let me tell you something, pastor. He says, my life has never been as good as it is right now. Amen. Because of those that I'm around. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. There are amazing things happening when we excel, not just in our relationship with God, but with each other. Let me prove that to you from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 20 says this, I pray that out of His glorious riches, that He may strengthen you with power in His Spirit in your inner being. So get this, God is trying to do something in you. But... Check out the next uh, uh, portion of this scripture. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power with what? Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me break that down for you. God wants you to experience relationship with him in such an amazing way that it leaves you so full. There's power at work. But check this out. Check this out. Verse 18 says that you may have power together. Together. Together with all the Lord's holy people. Listen, everybody gets excited about verse 20 in this chapter. Verse 20 in in Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Man, I'm so excited. God wants to do so much more. It's true. He does. But while while the power of God is in you, listen closely, it works within us. Some of you didn't get that. You didn't get that. Listen, while you have everything that you need, is what the scriptures say, for life and godliness. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. God has provided all that you require for life. That can't work without us. That can't work. It can't work. Go ahead and tell somebody, I need you. Now tell somebody else, I need you. I need you. Listen, we need each other. You know what? I know that there's at least one person here today that you really need to hear that. Because you feel alone. Because you've been doing it on your own. 
because you're just kind of just trucking it through life and struggling and saying, man, somehow I'll figure it out. It'll work out. Can I tell you, your answer is come. We need you. We need each other. You know what this really looks like in our lives? Here's what it really looks like. Here's what it sounds like for you and I. I need you. Right? Well, let me, let me back up. I need God. Would you agree with that statement? Yes. But then think about this. I need you because I need God. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I didn't say you are God. I didn't say I'm God. What I'm saying is that there is a work that God is doing in you. There is something so amazing and special and unique about you. There is something so powerful about what God has called you to be and to do in this world. And I need that. I need what God is doing in you. And so, yes, I need God, but I need you because I need God in you. I need what God is doing in you. But then guess what this also means? I need, but I also need others. You know why? Because God wants to do something in them. And God wants what he's doing in them to also equally bless me. We need all people. We need each other. And so, remember the Bible says how Jesus saw them, that he saw them as sheep. And so his approach to them was as a shepherd. I want you to think about this. He was thinking about everyone. He wasn't just thinking about the disciples. He wasn't even just thinking about himself. He goes to the disciples and he says, you feed them. And they go, man, that's going to take a half year's wages. And that's just so that they can get one bite. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're not getting it. And then another, another one of the disciples comes, this guy, Andrew, and he says, hey, Jesus, pff, this little kid here, he's got two fishes and five loaves of bread. But what's that amongst us? You know what that kid got that they didn't? The power of partnership. He realizes, hey, Jesus wants to do something here, but he needs what I bring to the table. Oh, man. Some of you just caught that. Listen, in the kingdom of God, everything is for the benefit of everyone. We live in a day and age where selfishness reigns, ladies and gentlemen. It rains. We live in a dog-eat-dog world. It's about me. About what I want. And you know, that even exists amongst God's people. In the world, here's what it looks like. Here's what it sounds like. What, what can I get for myself by my own hand? How do I make it in life? How do I make this happen? That's, that's what that selfishness sounds like for people that don't know God. But you know what it sounds like for us to do? Here's what it sounds like. What can I get for myself from God's hand? When it should really be, what can God do through me to bless the kingdom and bless others? God wants to do some amazing things. And he has everyone in mind. 
And you see, that's how the kingdom works, ladies and gentlemen. It's not pie in the sky. It's not something abstract and foreign. No, it's here. It's near. It's sitting right next to you. And we must remember that it's not just about an upward relationship with God. And it's not just about doing life with someone else on this journey of faith. But it's also about extending that to everyone. 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 See, when we do that, we see the power of outward relationships. In verse 14 of John 6, it says that the people, they marveled at what Jesus did. And here's what they said. Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. You know what they're saying? This really is the one that God promised that would change our lives. Hey, this world wants to know who Jesus really is. They're asking questions. Did you ever consider that you are the answer that they need to see. Man, listen, man. Let's stand here. The keys to life are in the kingdom of God. And they're yours. But the doors that they open for you provide access, listen closely, for others to know who God really is. I'm going to say that again. The keys to life are in the kingdom of God. And they're yours. But the doors that they open for you provide access for others to know God. Ladies and gentlemen, relationships, they're important to experiencing all that God has provided. But they flow. The kingdom works when we look upward and depend upon God. When we look to our left and to our right and we begin to love and help and encourage and depend upon each other on this journey of faith. But listen, there would be futile relationships. The kingdom wouldn't work if we dare to forget that the same way we're excelling in a relationship with God and with others on this journey of faith, that we should also be excelling in our journey in helping others, in blessing others, in revealing the kingdom of others. Pastor Nett said something very interesting during announcements. She was talking about this event that we're doing called Trunk or Treat. Halloween night. Man, I'll tell you, I have seen every type of Christian come out the woodworks on that. Oh, that's the devil's day, pastor. The Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and we will be glad on it. The devil owns no day. No day at all. Listen, how can, how can there be light in darkness against a light show, uh, unless a light shows up? And so, hey, October 31st, when we open our doors, October 17th here for friends and family. You know what we're doing? We're being a light. We're bringing the kingdom of God, which is at hand. Yes, we're loving God. Yes, we're loving each other, but we're not forgetting our fellow man. You know, Jesus called those that crucified him neighbor. Neighbor. He called him neighbor. You know what Jesus did when Judas was about to betray him and Satan had already entered his heart? He loved them to the very end, the scripture says, and he washed his feet as a slave would. The kingdom of God. It works. As our relationship to God, to each other on this journey of faith, and others who may not know him, all are functioning.